Welcome to this conversation. My guest today is Josh Mancuso. Josh Mancuso is an Emory and Henry graduate from 2003 in mass communication, and he's gone on to do a million things right now. And I'm not really sure how to introduce him, except that I love this line. He is the 74,628th biggest star in the world. Oh my gosh, Josh Mancuso, this is going to be fun. Your real titles on your website are actor, filmmaker, and comedian. How is it that you're the 74,628th biggest star in the world? And welcome. Thank you, Dr. Keller. Oh, my. That's the best introduction anyone has ever given me. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm trying to get to the 73rd thousandth most famous uh, uh, star in the world. So uh, 74,000 is just not not going to cut it. But uh, yes, that is me. Now, how how, kind of how do we measure that? There are lots of different ways that you can measure the biggest star in the world. So how is it that you came up with that number? Well, so uh, are you familiar with IMDb? Yes, International okay. Movie Database. That's it. So they assign those those numbers. And I don't even know what it's based on. I think it's based on social media involvement, views. And then a lot of it is obviously based on your work in the film industry. But what's really funny is those of us that, that are on IMDb and that have an account there, it's like you could be 74,000 one day and 250,000 the next day, you know, 900,000 the next day, and then 30,000. I mean, it goes, it just fluctuates. And I'm not sure really how it goes. Uh, I think 74,000, whatever it was, is is the closest I've gotten to the top. So um, <laughs> I thought that was funny, but I don't even know where it's at today. It's probably, so I don't know how they measure it. <laughs> okay. Well, see, this is how confused I was. And this interview is just going to be about sorting out the life of Mancuso. For well, anybody who's wondering why this topic, it's because it's a puzzle. It is. I need to figure it out myself, so I'm glad well, we're doing it. we're going to figure it out. Well, I thought that I was going to be introducing you as a TikTok star. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, TikTok, I just got into it, I don't know, several months ago, like really trying. I put a couple, you know, a couple of videos out maybe a year or two ago, but didn't know what I was doing. And then um, I, I started producing some comedy videos really intended for YouTube. Uh, and so I grew a, you know, some, some followers there. And then someone said, you really need to get on TikTok. That's where all the video makers are going. That's where all the comedians are going. I was like, I don't really want to go on TikTok. That seemed a lot. When I think TikTok, I think of like 16 year old girls, like dancing to songs on TikTok and being goofy. So, but I jumped in and, um, it took a few videos and then I started developing a pretty good following. So, so now I put my videos on every platform, but TikTok apparently is the one that is blowing up the most and where people are tend to be watching more. All right. Now I looked at some of your videos and a lot of them are about sports. So some of that went over my head, but some <laughs> of them, I mean, are just, Oh, spot on funny, like trying to buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks <laughs> And trying to buy insurance, and <laughs> those things are funny. And you and you live up to the billing of comedian. But it seems to me like the sports stuff is what's really huge. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it has taken off. And I think what I've learned throughout this is that timing is everything. So a lot of my videos that have gone big is a result of what's going on in the world today. And the sports has become pretty big. So I started. Last year, I developed a character 
uh, named Coach Lance Decker. And he's this middle school, he's this fake middle school football coach. And um, I introduced him as the new football coach at the University of Tennessee. And that was right after they had fired their actual coach. And uh, the timing on that was perfect because that video went viral. And then um, I decided to kind of continue with this Coach Lance character. And that's how I got into the sports side of things. And from there, I started branching off and doing some other sports related comedies, like how how schools chose their nicknames and their mascots, um, things like that. And so those have taken off quite a bit. And so and it's relevant right now, I think, because of college football season. So that has really been the reason for that, I think, is really just around football season. And then I've done some things, obviously, that are, that are political uh, as well. And and those are always can be hot button topics and, and sometimes are relevant based on what's going on in the world, too. So timing has been really key for me in getting videos out there that people watch. All right. Well, we need to straighten out the sports thing just a little bit more. Is it specifically SEC teams that you're doing? Primarily, yes. Most of my videos are focused on the University of Tennessee. Uh, I'm I'm a Tennessean. I'm, I'm a big big Tennessee fan. So um, a lot of them f- are focused there. And then beyond that, yeah, it's SEC. I did one video around Ohio State, um, the Buckeyes, just because I thought the Buckeyes was a funny name and there had to be a funny video about that. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I, st- I stick with the SEC most of the time. Well, I had just noticed something, and I don't know whether this is true or false. That's the thing about social media, Facebook, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. But I saw in one of the credits of one of your videos, you had quoted one of the coaches at UT as it, this is really funny. We laugh ourselves silly over it. Did you just make that up? Was that another fake coach? No, that's okay. I, I know what you're talking about. That was, I've had a one, I've had um, Coach Lane Kiffin. He's the coach at Ole Miss. Uh, he has watched my videos and has uh, shared them on social media at least once or twice. And then some former football players from Tennessee. I think Eric Ainge, he was a former quarterback at Tennessee and he played in the NFL. He's, he's a big fan of some of my videos. And uh, so a lot of former players have, have enjoyed that and been, been sharing them. So that's probably what you saw, what is either coach Lane Kiffin or one of the former players. Yeah. yeah. Lane Kiffin and people would, you know, beat me about the head with a ball bat if they realized <laughs> that I didn't know who Lane Kiffin was when I saw that. But yes, I do recognize the name, I guess. Okay. So here's a comment you made in one of your, on one of the sites I saw it. I love this. You said that TikTok is an addicting platform for obsessed people who love attention and it's ruining our youth. And please follow me today. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, Josh Mancuso, an obsessed person who loves attention? Well, probably a little bit. I mean, I think anybody that that puts themselves on camera has to enjoy being on camera. You know, self self obsessed. I don't think so, and I hope not. Um, I enjoy making people laugh. That's what I like to do. Um, and so, if I can do that, then then I will do it. TikTok is just it, it feels like a necessary evil. To me, it's sort of a uh, this this dumpster fire of of all kinds of nonsense. And but uh, people are watching videos. I make videos, so I guess I'll get on TikTok and start making them. But it's it is funny because I deal with you know I've got three daughters and uh, the older ones you know they're into TikTok and things like that. So I have to deal with what they're doing on TikTok and then also realize I myself am a TikTok content creator, and so that's been quite the uh, line to walk. But yes, I 
I find it funny. There's a lot of people on TikTok that I think maybe just like hearing themselves talk. And uh, maybe I'm guilty of that. I don't know. But I'll just, I like making people laugh. That's what I, that's what I want to do. If it's TikTok or anywhere else, I, I'm all about it. Well, when I was uh, talking about your various roles, actor, filmmaker, maker, and comedian, I neglected to say husband and father. I did want to ask you about that. But okay, Josh, you know me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be blunt and ask the the question that other people say. You don't ask that. I did notice on one of the uh, TikTok posts or Facebook posts. I guess I saw it on Facebook, and it had I guess it was the Vols versus Gator pregame show. I'm thinking, but mm-hmm. anyway, it's a pregame press conference. It said sponsored by Champion Chevrolet. That's a sponsor. But with all these things you are doing, and I gotta say. I look at your production and I see lots of time. I see lots of equipment. I see lots of energy and effort. Where does the money come from? Do you have enough sponsors or how are you making a living for these girls? That's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that. That's that's, that's, that's not, most people don't think about that. They just assume that I guess he's got a bunch of money that he can just um, spend all his time making silly videos on the internet. So it, there's a couple different different ways. So one, I have had a video production company for the last 10 to 15 years that has provided me with a stable income. So I've made videos for, for other companies, companies like uh, ETSU, Eastman, uh, Ballot Health, uh, and even in small businesses as well. So I've made a living making videos for others, which has allowed me to then work on what I love doing more than anything, which is making my own content. So that's how I really was able to kind of self-fund this whole journey. Now, beyond that, recently, I launched an independent film company, and it's called Switchman Studios. That has some investor funding behind it. And so not a lot, but enough to allow me to spend time developing comedic content and building an audience that we can then serve and 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 partner with, I think, hopefully at some point, to help us make uh, more productions. So... I've had equipment for a while. That's not been a problem. I have I have good equipment, and I and, and I've gotten to a place now where I can do these videos pretty quickly. It would take me a long time in the beginning, but now I, I crank them out pretty pretty fast. So the combination of me having my own company for a long time and and allowing that to kind of feed uh, my family and and feed my 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 business allow me to do the stuff I love. So now Switching Studios again, like I said, is an investor funded company. And I'm still looking for investors. I need I need more uh, people to come in and say, hey, we believe in what you do. We think you're funny. We think you're talented. We think that you have a future in, as a filmmaker and actor. So we're going to we're going to buy into this. And so that's what I've got right now to kind of help me along the way. It also doesn't hurt that my wife uh, is an RN at the VA. So she works as a nurse. And so she helps bring in some money as well. Well, I guess most couples these days, it's a it's a two person team for uh, raising a family. But you mentioned that the name of the film company or the film studio is Switchman Studios. It seems to me that you would want to mention the name of your video company so that anybody who's listening who needs videos would go, oh, I like listening to that guy. Let's go talk to him. Yeah. Well, you know, names of my production companies has been like a a, a funny story all the way through because I've kind of been through several. Um, I've had a couple different partners that worked with me. At one point, it was just me. It was just my name. It was just Josh Mancuso. You just hired Josh. Uh, And that's really, I feel like I've, regardless of what the name is, people just kind of pick up the phone and they call me. They know to call me. And so Switchman has really become my full-time job. And so not that I'm not doing any other 
productions for anybody else, but I've really scaled that back as I'm kind of diving really feet first, head first into the Switchman Studios and filmmaking world. So I'm not doing much video production anymore, honestly, which is why I haven't really pushed it that way. But there's a great story behind Switchman Studios if you want to hear it. Well, of course, we've got 12 more minutes. Great. Go. It'll only take me 11 and a half minutes to get it out. <laughs> so, we know. Um, so my grandfather uh, worked on the railroad in Kingsport, the Clinchfield Railroad, and he worked as a conductor. Uh, and I think he worked maybe as a switchman part of the time as well. So the switchman is uh, the person on the railroad uh, who switches the trains you know, from one track to the other, uh, most of the time in the yard, but sometimes out in the track as well. But uh, he worked there for a long time. He was kind of my hero. And then when he got older in life, he started a, a gospel band, uh, a quintet, I guess there was five of them, all these old guys, and they played gospel music all around the region and they were called the Switchmen. And all of them worked on the railroad as well. So that was my kind of my paying homage to my grandfather and and that story. And, you know, to connect it to filmmaking is is really, you know, I guess as storytellers, we take viewers down a track. And at any point we can switch that track with a plot twist or uh, a different type of emotion or something like that. So that's my connection to it. But that's how I, that's sort of my, this is my, I guess my forever company. And, uh, and I hope I'm doing this till the day, the day I die at uh, the ripe old age of 120 years old. Yeah, there you go. Switchman Studios. I guess really there's not a whole lot of need for you to be promoting your business to the kind of audience we have, because unless it's somebody who's particularly looking to make a film or to invest in a film company. Yeah, that's certainly primarily what I'm what I'm looking for. Now, I did just take a a job with um, Clinch Valley Health in Richlands, Virginia, doing a project for them because, you know, I enjoy working for them and I've worked with them you know, with them before. So I will certainly occasionally take jobs like that. So while I'm on the film track, it is still worth mentioning that, yeah, sure, if, it, if it's a good fit and if they need something, they think I'm a good fit for them, then I'd be happy to, to look at taking on a project. Yeah. That's Josh Mancuso of Switchman Studios, operating from Kingsport, Tennessee. Josh Mancuso, I suppose we cannot go further because people are saying, where do I find his stuff? How do <laughs> I see this stuff? So how do people find you? That, well, thank you. Yes. So, well, as we found out, I am on the big bad TikTok, uh, TikTok platform. So all of my handles are either just it's just at Josh Mancuso, uh, except for TikTok is at the Josh Mancuso because someone already had taken the other one. So uh, at Josh Mancuso or at the Josh Mancuso uh, is the best place on social media to find me. And then our website is just switchmanstudios.com. And that's plural switchmen studios.com and um on there you can you can read a little bit about me but mainly look at some of the projects that we are working towards developing over the next couple of years five to ten years even for some of them josh mancuso you were my student back at the beginning of this new century Ooh. did you know then did did you have this ambition then i started thinking about filmmaking while i was at emory and henry didn't know really what to do with that or kind of seemed like, man, eh, I want to make movies. That seems kind of like far-fetched or like a pie in the sky type dream. I knew I was a good writer. I had, I won some writing awards in high school and was always a good writer. Um, and then at Emory and Henry video production 
you know, really got me interested in creating things, telling stories through video. I really enjoyed doing that. And and you were obviously a big part of that. So um, that cultivated a love for me and, and to be able to tell a story with, with video. So that kind of, I didn't know that I would be doing what I'm doing now. I was always behind the camera for a while, but um, I've really enjoyed and embraced being in front of the camera and um, being an actor and being a comedian and doing those types of things. So that just kind of came out of me at some point. I didn't see it coming back then. No, but here well, we that are. That was the perfect segue till you just moved toward filmmaking. So we haven't really talked. We've talked about the social media stuff, TikTok and Facebook and your website and all that kind of stuff. But what about the filmmaking, the yeah. actual films? Yes. So I'm glad we brought that up. So there are um, a, a few different ways I'm involved in that. One, uh, about four years ago, I directed my first documentary uh, called Coming Home. And it was about a uh, gentleman who actually attended King College. Uh, his family was from India. Uh, and he actually traveled back to India to kind of, fall, uh, I guess, journey in his father's footsteps who had who had passed away. And while he was there, he discovered a lot of the uh, poverty that exists uh, in India and where he was from. And so he ended up creating a uh, nonprofit to help care for children who live in the slums. And so we made a documentary about that. That was really, really cool. That was my first um, directing uh, gig, I guess. We premiered it at uh, in Beverly Hills and at, at, and. At, at, California and, and some other places around the country. That was really cool. Um, beyond that, I have uh, you know written and produced and directed several short films that have been in film festivals around the country. I actually founded and directed the first ever Johnson City Film Festival here in, in Tennessee. And then I'm currently co-directing a documentary right now entitled Appalachian Soul, which is the story of African-Americans in Appalachia, their journey their resilience and just their experience and contributions to the culture of Appalachia. And I have a co-director, an African-American man um, from uh, he's from Charlotte and, uh, and then a producer in Johnson city. So there's several of us kind of coming together to make that happen. That will be, that is actually um, in post-production. Now it's an editing. We are looking for finishing funds. We need about 15,000 more dollars to, to finish that film. Uh, and then we hope for it to be on, Amazon, maybe PBS and some other places as well. So I'll put that plug out there. And then, I, you know, I've written a couple of screenplays um, right after this phone call. I've got to have a pitch meeting with a potential uh, producing company who may be interested in acquiring my script. So it's a lot of moving parts. I think that's something I've learned in this filmmaking world is I'm, you throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and you see what sticks. Some things stick, some don't. Um, luckily, I feel like a lot of the things I'm working on are sticking and, and we're going to continue going down there. So, I've, yeah, a couple documentaries, a lot of short films, and then we're finally looking at making some feature length narrative films in the next year or two. Where can people see Coming Home? Coming Home is uh, currently, God, the website is cominghome.us, I believe. Uh, cominghome.us. And you actually cannot see it at the moment because we're in the midst of trying to uh, get distribution for it. So it is my, I hope, and I believe that it will be on Amazon in the near future. Um, but that'll just have to be kind of a stay tuned and we'll, and we'll let you know, but Fascinating. On it. and it's a, you said based on a story from King college, based on a man who was from India, clearly mm -hmm. the documentary was in India. So yes. Yes. 
Although this was a unique story in that I did not even travel to India for this. So we interviewed him and some other people here in the States and he had traveled to India like 15 years ago and he captured all this footage on like mini DV tapes, right? All the, the old tapes and, and brought them back. And so we had the job of sorting through all of that plus interviewing more people here in the States and putting it all together. So I didn't get to travel to India. Maybe there'll be a part two and I can go, but, um, it was just a great story. It's a very inspiring story. Well, that was clearly where I was going with that. What was it like to be in India? So <laughs> you had to you had to like his video. Yeah, and some of it was very it was old grainy footage. A lot of it, so we had you know it was tough to to work with. But I had a good editor that was working with me, and uh, and since it was a yeah. documentary, I guess that was appropriate. Yes. And Appalachian Soul. What was the spark for doing that documentary that we can look forward to seeing sometime soon? That's a great question, and it's going to come out of left field, my answer. Um, right. Are you familiar with uh, the band Old Crow Medicine Show? Oh, yes. Yes, they wrote Wagon Wheel. So yes. their lead singer, Catch Secor, he and I have become uh, friends, and, and he and I were chatting one day. We were in Nashville having coffee, and I said, give me a film idea. And he said, I think you need to tell a story of African-Americans in Appalachia. I was like, really? Okay. Um we talked about it a little bit. And so then I took, I came back to Johnson city and I went to some key African-American leaders in our community and said, Hey, what do you think about this? This is not my story. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a white guy here looking to want to be part of telling the story. If you think it's valuable, they were like, absolutely. Yes. Like we want to tell that story. And so then we began researching and we got some grant money we just kind of began putting pieces together and that goes back to 2019. That's when uh, catch and I first met. So it's been a few years in the making, um, but, but it's kind of a random story of how that came about. Yeah. Tell us a story of something you learned in the, in shooting the documentary, some story that stands out to you. Yeah. I think what's really cool to me, we all know of, of a lot of the sufferings that African-Americans have gone through in our country and in the South and things like that. But, um, and it's, it's worth mentioning those things in our, in our documentary. However, we definitely are focusing on some of the contributions and that's what really stuck out to me. Um, particularly, um, you know, the story of uh, the banjo. All right. So you're talking about um, the, uh, the first family of, of country music, the Carter family, you know, um, they learned to play guitar from a black man and they are really considered the primary, you know, founders of country music. And they were influenced by the music of an African-American man. Leslie Riddle is his name. And I just, that's so cool to me. Like you just don't think about some of those roots and, and, and where they come from. So there is definitely some of that in the documentary. There's also just some stories of everyday people from uh, Bristol, Tennessee, from you know, wise Virginia, from different places, you know, Harlan, uh, Kentucky of just regular people and just their stories and how they've experienced growing up as, you know, being black in Appalachia. So it's a little bit of everything in there. Not to sidetrack, but I interviewed the author of the book. I can't think of his name right now, but it was called the Harlan Renaissance about black people in the coal fields of yes. Appalachia and the accomplishments and their stories it was really an interesting interview. It's on our, I'll, yeah, I'll make sure it's on the uh, podcast next to yours. Yes, thank you, Dr. William Turner, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. And then the story of the integrated baseball team in Norton or somewhere, where it was like the first 
ever. Yeah. Yes. That there. And there's also one in um, Elizabethan, Tennessee, which is really interesting. But the one in Norton, I think um, we're looking into that. And if anybody has any connections for somebody that could tell us that, I'd love to to hear that because um, I think that's a great story. Yeah. All right. I had seen some press about that. And it's called the Cardinal News. It's a website, cardinalnews.com. You can go there probably and find it. Good deal. Thank a, you. They had pictures and everything. Gosh, Mancuso, it is, we're running out of time quickly, but I left off at Emory and Henry. Of course, to me, that's where your life began and ended was everything <laughs> came from Emory and Henry. But you also went to Luther Rice University. I kind of had the impression at some point you went to seminary, but then it was a leadership degree you have. Tell us about that part of your education. That was in 2006. I believe I went to, this is three years after I graduated from Emory and Henry. I did, I went to, it is a seminary. It's a college and seminary. And it, I got a master of arts degree. I guess technically it's a, it's in ministry leadership. The degree just says master of arts and leadership, but it is um, with a biblical and theological background. And so a lot of the, my courses and a lot of the framework of, of leadership was based on, on that. So that was a, a really cool time in my life. We just gotten married, my wife and I, and, um, I'd kind of experienced a very much of a faith renaissance and, and um, that became a big part of my life and was contemplating and thinking that um, a life in ministry or working for the church might be for me. And uh, we went to seminary and um, spent some time there and then, and then came back to, to the Tri-Cities in Tennessee. And I did work in the church. I worked for the church um, four or five years and um, enjoyed it. It was was good at it, I felt like, uh, but I always had this this creative part of me where I really felt like the difference I could make and the things I could do in my life were definitely going to be centered around the creative world of whether it's videos and, and creating and things like that, rather than through like a pastoral ministry. So I'm grateful for that degree though, because it, it was not a direct like, um, you know, like a, you know, a master of divinity degree would be something that would lead you to being, you know, a pastor. It was more of a leadership degree where you could kind of step foot into both worlds there. You could be in the church world or in the corporate world and, and still have a lot of those um, things that you learned that you can, you can put to use there. So yeah, great degree, great time. And uh, I'm done with school though. I've been great, but I'm put that behind me. How old are your <laughs> girls? Uh, my oldest is 13. She's in eighth grade and my middle one is 11 in sixth grade. And then my youngest is six. She's in first grade. So all girls. Yes. Just, it is wild over here. Let me tell you. I bet it is. Congratulations. Oh, so much, Josh Mancuso. What a pleasure to talk to you. Remind people one more time, who do you want to contact you and what for and where do they find you? Thank you so much. Yes. You can email me directly at joshuadavid12 at gmail.com. That's just my personal email, joshuadavid12 at gmail.com. You can find me on social media, uh, just at the Josh or at Josh Mancuso or at the Josh Mancuso and then switchmanstudios.com. Uh, any of those places will lead you to me. And I'm interested in in hearing from people who would either a like to be involved with filmmaking in some 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 way, uh, people who would like to uh, fund some projects, people who want to uh, jump in there as crew cast, anything like that. We're, we're just always welcoming connections. Uh, that would be the primary thing that I would love to put out there. Uh, funding is the filmmaker's f word, right? That is uh, funding is 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 the big thing. So. Getting funding is certainly a big piece of that, and that's our main goal, honestly, because I think we have the projects and we have the the talent to produce some really good stuff. So thank you. Thank you. My guest, my former student, so proud for you, 
of you and happy for you, Josh Mancuso. This has been this conversation on WEHC 90.7. We air Wednesdays at six, Sundays at two. You can also find our podcast if you want to hear replays of older shows or hear this one again. And you just Google or search for this conversation, WEHC, it'll come up. If you want to make it simpler and straighter, you can go to WEHCFM.com and find us there. Above all, we thank you, the listeners. We wouldn't be here without you. And thanks again to our guest, Josh Mancuso. And please stay tuned to 90.7.